Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to Golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo taking release. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to Golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's G-O-L-O.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who have found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. We made this. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a cold-blooded, premeditated murder. Hi everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Red and Buried podcast. I'm Frankie. I'm Sarah. And today we are joined by a very mysterious special guest. We have got Sam Ripley with us. Hello, Sam. Hello there. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. All I can think is that you're going to put some sort of special effect in there, aren't you, Frankie? Well, 100%. I hope so. Yeah. Like, Thunderclap. Can't wait. Yeah, fireworks at the very least. That's what you inspire in us. So that makes sense. And obviously talking about the mystery, we explain a little bit more, Sarah, maybe we go straight into the old bio for some context. Okay. So as always, Frankie wrote it. So Sam, any issues? Take them up with Frankie. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Great. Sam Ripley is a pseudonym for a best-selling British crime author who writes a long-running series that has sold more than half a million copies in the UK alone and a million worldwide. His first book under this name, The Rule of Three, is described as the Whisper Man meets the Chalk Man with the paranoia of the Blair Witch Project. It asks the question, how do you solve your own murder before it happens? Convinced that a mysterious urban myth called The Rule of Three is real, three women must find a way to break the curse or be doomed to die like those who came before them. But when you're not sure if what you think is happening is even the truth, how do you know if you're actually in danger? And if you don't know, how will you be able to protect yourself? If death comes in threes, who will survive and who will solve the rule of three? Outside of writing, Sam Ripley is a very mysterious character with a very dark imagination, but he's also very kind, vastly intelligent and an overall joy to speak to, all while being very dark and mysterious, of course. How lovely. How How lovely. (laughs) Rooted in fact, of course. So, the rule of three is a very interesting concept for a very interesting book. Where did you get the idea from? Oh, right. Well, um, that goes back a really long way. I remember at, at school, somebody said, you know, don't walk on three drains. It's you know, bad luck. Mm. And like an impressionable schoolboy, I, I thought that, oh, there must be something to this. And um, I remember pushing my brother to stop him walking over three drains. Oh, I think pushing him onto the drain. Oh, no, 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 no. He was about to walk <laughs> over. And I, and, I, and I pushed him. No, no fodder. 
and I pushed him and he, and he stumbled <laughs> into the road and almost uh, was hit by a car. So, um, <laughs> so I guess that's better that, than I thought. Well, well, I mean, it's uh, it's not as if back then as little 10 year old Sam, I thought, oh, okay, this is a, there's a buck idea here. You know, I didn't think like that, but <laughs> it's one of these things that's always interests me about uh, manifest destiny and um, fate and determinism, those kind of concepts that's always intrigued me. And so, yeah, putting that together with um, spooky things like urban myths sort of just, it kind of happened naturally over a long period of time. It wasn't the idea suddenly came to me in, in a moment of inspiration. It was more the idea that um, somebody is both a potential victim in the story, but also the investigator. But that was an interesting way of telling a story. So I like, like the idea of telling it in a different non-conventional way. And then, like I say, combining that ideas of fate and um, determinism with um, yeah, urban myths. I mean, who doesn't love a good urban myth? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I like that the, the, the attempted murder of your brother inspired this story. <laughs> <laughs> Police manslaughter. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll let you off with that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I do love an urban myth. You always hear that was the really fun ones. Do you, does anyone have a favourite urban myth other than the rule of three? <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> Which is the top number one of the charts. <laughs> I don't know because it's the kind of it's the kind of thing that you hear a lot about when you're younger, and then as you grow up, you tend to then just dismiss those things that don't tend to stay with you unless they were um, told when you were very young. So I can't really think of any (laughs) right now. The drain thing. (laughs) When you think about the drain thing, as I now that I'm older, I always think it's probably because if you're walking over drains, there's a chance you could fall in a drain. And if there's three in a row, maybe structurally they're not that sound. So maybe that's why they're like, there could be something in there. There could be some engineering mystery there that, um, yeah, stress factors or of, a uh, clown. steel or a clown, of course. Mm. Yeah. So um, if there's two yeah. drains, there's no clown. If there's three drains, there, there could be a clown. <laughs> I mean, that's a good enough reason to avoid, I think. <laughs> exactly. They have to be three drains wide to fit their clown shoes in. Mm. I think I think you've nailed it. I think that's what it is. It's the it's the shoes. There you go. The shoes don't fit down unless there's three drains. Case closed. Case closed. So in which in which case then, by pushing my brother into the road, I did him a favour because you know clowns you are infinitely more scary yeah. than um, a car crash. Yes, <laughs> and less entertaining at children's parties. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I don't but... know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sam, when Frankie gave me your book to mm. read, we went, when did we go for dinner? Last week. Yeah, you gave it to me last week anyway. And I read the back, or it was the back, the inside anyway. I said to Frankie, is it supernatural? Yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what the kind of, the, the sort of subgenre would be. Sort of a lot of books like Sarah Pembroke's where they have sort of, it's a thriller, but mm. there's a slight supernatural yeah. tinge to it. So I don't know. Is it? Is there a word for that? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it's an interesting one though because I actually I looked it up on Amazon before I started mm. reading it to see what categories it had been put into, and it hadn't been because it's not released yet, so it didn't help me oh, in the okay. slightest. <laughs> but it's very different to a lot of the books that I've read recently, mm. and I really liked that. Frankie warned me that it was going to be really dark. And I was a little bit like, yeah, but they're all dark. All we read is, you know, crime and thrillers. But this was dark. I appreciated that. I also read, <laughs> it's, has it been picked up to be turned into a 
horror film. Yes, guys? yeah, that's true. Yeah, so um, <laughs> that was quite quite recently, maybe two months ago, something like that at most. Amazing. Um, yeah, very very quick, very exciting kind of process. Very cool. And I'm kind of very intrigued of how they will do it because it is quite a different book told in different ways and uh so yeah translating that to the screen i mean the producers have already talked about how to do that i don't think they have mm. um an answer just yet i can't wait if it, if it gets they have options yeah great absolutely yeah yeah very Definitely. very cool what is nice is you've got um we're not going to a lot of detail about the character we don't want to spoil anything for anyone listening because you have to go and read no. it and buy it and spend all your money on it because it's great but obviously you've got different character perspectives but yeah. ultimately, is it fair to say it's relatively female-led in terms of its the narrative voice? Yes, yeah. And I think that was a really that was a nice refreshing change as well. I think often the women, I mean, in this story, there are women in there who arguably could easily just be victims, and that's it. That's that's their whole universe described as victims. But the beauty of this is that we're seeing them as more than that, and the many dimensions to to them as characters, what they're going through. And ultimately becoming their own heroes in a lot of ways. So that was a really nice, uh, refreshing change, particularly within horror. If if it is a horror categorization, we're not entirely sure at this stage. I really appreciated as well that was, there are multiple characters in the book, and I won't say more than that. Um, but they all had very different personalities as well, yes. and you can very vividly assign. I, I, I can remember each of them individually. They haven't all blurred into one, which was really nice as well. Right. Like Frankie was saying, it's quite yeah. easy to get women generic, yeah, <laughs> generic woman in a horror or crime thriller book. Um, so yeah, I really liked that as well. Yeah, well, I think that um, yeah. you know, obviously that was a huge both sort of challenge and a fun part of the writing was to, was to differentiate the characters and. Uh, I would be devastated if you did mix them all together. So if that happens later on in the podcast, then, uh, <laughs> we'll have words. So I'm glad they stood no, out definitely as, uh, not. As, as being different. And um, you know, it's always a challenge as a writer to make characters individuals rather than tropes. Mm. And you never really know if you succeed until people start reading it because you know the author always sees it through their own bias. So I feel very reassured <laughs> by, uh, by that comment. Thank you. <laughs> No, they definitely weren't blurring into one. No. You don't have to give us a specific answer, but is mm. there a character in the book that's kind of your, your favourite? Oh, that's, that's a, that is a tricky one because um, most of the characters in, in the book are having a pretty bad time. And, um, <laughs> yeah. It would, I, yes, I, they I, are. <laughs> it, can't, it might be a little bit cruel to suggest who's my favourite person who's having a horrible time. <laughs> favorite miserable character yeah well yeah yeah favorite miserable character um so yeah do you know what i, I couldn't answer that you know i love all my children equally like... yeah <laughs> See, i don't believe anyone when they say that everyone's got a favorite exactly okay. yeah 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 <laughs> we'll let you off but speaking of your writing process okay a question that we we always like to ask authors that come on the podcast is what do you enjoy most about the writing process and least about it? I think starting is the best part of the process and ending is the worst part of the process. When the book is in its very early stages, it's all exciting and the energy levels are up and the motivation's up. 
and it's like a, a rush of um, enthusiasm to to get it finished, to get all the ideas down as fast as possible. But then by the time we get to the end of the process, it's more a case of I need to cut and edit and rearrange and fix problems and insert new subplots or or fix an inconsistency or whatever it is. So it goes from a creative process at the start to a, I guess, um, puzzle solving one by the end, which is less fun. How long does it typically take you from literally start to finish to produce a novel or is it different for each book? It is is massively different for each book. With The Rule of Three, it was... I had started writing it a long time ago and I was put off writing it. And so I stopped for a while. And um, then the uh, the pandemic came along and um, allowed me a lot more time to sit What's at that? home <laughs> and daydream. Yeah, we must not talk about that. Um, so, yeah, so, I, so I'd, um, I just went for it. I um, wrote it, mo- maybe... 80% of it really, really quickly, like within a couple of months. But then the fixing and the rearranging and ironing out the kinks, that was a long process. And the more people read it in those days, the more feedback that I received. Some of it contradictory. So there was weighing up the pros and cons and rewrites. And and then when my agent read it, there was more time, more edits. And then with the when then when the publisher reads it, the same thing happens again. So I've no, I've no idea how long all that was, but yeah, I if things are going well, a uh, first draft in maybe three months, but mm. with wow. edits and rewrites and everything else, it's you know it's usually like a year from start to finish. This was different because of the pandemic. But yeah, if I boiled yeah. it all down, maybe it's you know it's one year per book, roughly. And do you um, finish a book completely before you start on the next one, or do you tend to overlap them slightly? We've had different answers on this from <laughs> different authors. It's really interesting. There's always an overlap. There's always an overlap um, because inevitably, when undergoing the problem-solving difficulties at the end of the book, the mind wanders into new ideas that are exciting <laughs> and interesting and different. That's the thing, it's different. So there's always an overlap process. And yeah, and because of uh, publishing and waiting for edits, and there's always sort of downtime. And so in those moments mm-hmm. of downtime when I'm waiting for feedback, then I'll, I'll start thinking of other things, maybe writing, yeah. This is obviously a new enterprise for you, Sam Ripley, mm-hmm. and this is your first book under that. What inspired this, this new chapter, does that, does that work as a pun? Uh, in your writing journey, <laughs> I think it's it's because whatever you write, you are sort of judged on that, and um, both by readers, publishing industry, and and ourselves. So it helps when writing something very different to have a different persona, a different um, mm. brand, if you will, for that. But what inspired the different? style and tone for you oh, this oh, new story oh, oh i don't know the darkness within oh yeah the darkness within yeah let's go with that it's the, dar- <laughs> the darkness of my soul yeah. that'll do it <laughs> i mean 2020 put a lot of us, lot of us in dark places so <laughs> yeah sarah watched mamma mia like every week for like oh, a month oh my god yeah <laughs> whilst drunk <laughs> in a hammock 
it was a less productive time for me than you, by the okay. sounds of it. Well, perhaps that was it then. Perhaps it was the pandemic and it was that, um, especially in the early part with all the uncertainty and the um, paranoia and whatever else. So um, now you've held that mirror up to me, I think, oh, yeah, actually, <laughs> it's kind of making sense now. Yeah. Well, obviously, I don't know from a writer perspective, but reader-wise, I think thrillers crime novels have been huge for a long time but it feels like they got a lot bigger since 2020 i think it's because it's such a good escapist Mm. device for people it's the perfect way to completely switch off for your own life because hopefully you can't identify with any of the situations happening in it Um, it's a bit like a brain flossing isn't it <laughs> yeah i suppose so i was kind of <laughs> half expecting post-pandemic fiction to be uh, mostly uplifting and um joyful <laughs> as a a plaster over a very uh, raw wound but um but no. <laughs> no 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 we want more misery but less corona how can we get both how can we get yeah. the best of it yeah crime fiction yeah, crime fiction yeah we kind of are well i kind of asked you this already um, and i suspect the answer is i don't want to be any of them but another question we ask every author we speak to is if you had to be a character from one of your books who would you be and why none of them no none of them them. um i think maybe one of the very very sort of minor side characters who've got no idea what the rest of the book is like yeah. <laughs> yeah, somebody completely removed from all the trauma. Like and... the bus driver. Yeah, like the bus <laughs> when driver. When she goes to yeah. the church. Yeah, 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 the bus driver or um, there's a character later on, later on in the book who makes little cakes and things. Maybe her, you know, she, she was quite happy. She was quite mm. happy, so, because yeah. I'm, I'm no baker myself. So, yeah, there we go. Yeah, I'd be the baker, the baker character. Okay, That's I like that choice. and the... The cakes and was it truffles sounded amazing. So well, there we go then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we've talked a little bit about crime genre tropes and uh, a bit of a divisive question, but we like to ask it anyway. Um, what typical crime genre trope are you a bit sick of at this point when you read other books? See, that's a difficult question to answer because I know lots of crime authors, and I would hate to yes. inadvertently no. <laughs> slate one of them fair enough uh there are no there are no tropes they're all wonderful yeah they're tropes for a reason because they're popular hey yeah exactly yeah there's nothing yes, wrong with people them. like them nothing wrong with popularity yeah <laughs> no very true mm-hmm. let's talk about reading would are you a big reader in your spare do you have spare time to read other books or are you just always working on your own i, I think mostly i'm working on my own so um I prefer a lot of uh, non-fiction or historical, anything that is okay. very different from what I'm reading. Sorry, what I'm writing. Um, that's what I mm. sort of prefer in the moment. And then because, of course, I'm always thinking about the next book. So, yeah. So at, when it comes to sort of crime and thriller fiction, I don't read that much. But I should do. Then I would know more more of the tropes and, and whatnot. But, um, <laughs> Slag more people off in the process. Yeah, exactly, but... yeah. Plus as well, like I said, yeah. because I know lots of authors, it's uh, it's hard to uh, separate them from their work. And um, if I, I know them in person, they're all jovial and fun, but they write dark, horrible stuff. There's a disconnect yeah. there, and I can't quite separate the two. I'm not sure I could take um, 
a scary book seriously if I know the author and they're, um, you know, fun and happy, maybe. <laughs> you want them to live their Disgusting. art. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm, you know, my book's dark and I'm miserable and um, um, full of yes. angst and mysterious. mysterious and pain and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A real That's artist. Cool. Yeah. yeah. As I always always say that going to places like Harrogate and uh, other events and things, everyone is so lovely and so nice and friendly. But then you think all of these people could probably commit a murder and get away with it if they wanted to. And that gives a slight edge to the proceedings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure um, uh, there's a lot of crime writers who we need to be careful of. Watching. <laughs> watching, yeah, watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously I can't name names because Watch list. they're my friends. But Chris Whitaker, um, yeah, Chris yeah. Whitaker, yeah. certainly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Also, with your with your deal that you currently have, you, is there a second book coming soon or next year? Or yeah, the yes, yeah, yeah. There's all there will be um, another book. I can't really mm. talk about it at the moment. Can't offer anything any interesting tidbits for now. No. Yeah, there, there will be. Yeah, there will definitely be a second book. And I will be happy to come back and talk about it when the time comes, but uh, not now. Sorry. Compromise. <laughs> and you're not going to let us ask if it's a sequel, are you? Oh, God, no, 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 no spoilers. No, that's any, fine. any kind, nothing, nothing remotely spoiler <laughs> All the mystery. Yes, living up to your name. Oh, well, well thank you. Pseudonym. I'm not... I was also thinking with your name hmm. and... I asked you about this before, how you chose your pseudonym, because that's an interesting process in itself. You said it, just, it was kind of random for you. Is that right? I think it was more a case of that um, um, I, I was being asked constantly what name was going to be on the on the cover. And um, I was I was hoping that uh, there'd be some kind of publishing wizard somewhere in a laboratory who cooks up pseudonyms <laughs> that tick some mysterious <laughs> psychological boxes that i don't know exist um and sadly there was not because nobody gave uh-huh. me any help so um i think it was it came to me seemingly at random but after months of agonizing over it and trying to work <laughs> out what to do i mean there was um talk of like lots of people have initials for um pseudonyms mm-hmm. so there was talk of that mm-hmm. and but then it's a case of, well, you're thinking of the initials as well and what sounds good or what sounds bad or if there's another author with the same name or a similar name. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's much easier when you have your own name on a cover and the 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 thought process is is made for you. Um, so, yeah, so... <laughs> Thanks, Mum and Dad. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. <laughs> some, some people look out and some people don't. And um, when it comes to a pseudonym, I don't think there is a right or wrong way of of doing it um so something that was short enough to fit on a book without being in a tiny font i think that was the the main <laughs> the main rationale That's behind it yeah yes very practical i was thinking because ripley could be a bit like tom ripley and the talented mr ripley like he's a mysterious character he's you know he he kind of melds to be who he needs to be for the situation that he's in so i didn't know if it was a bit well of that, i mean yeah let, let's 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 go with that because that answer is much better <laughs> than mine i mean when i told my friends the first thing they said oh is that because of ripley and aliens and it was i didn't even think of the of that so uh yeah well, that's a cool one too well yeah yeah that's so cool um, i think going forward i will combine the two 
and I'll use that as my stock answer. So I appreciate that. So now I can say, well, actually. You can rip that off me. <laughs> the... Very Thanks. good. Very Thanks for good. indulging me with that pity laugh. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'll, I can I can keep going. I appreciate Please don't encourage her. <laughs> no one's encouraging me, Sarah. Don't worry. <laughs> Is it time, Sarah? Already? Can't be. It's time. I think you should do it this time. No, no. This is where you shine, Frankie. Oh, no. Is there? <sighs> Set the scene. Oh, I have some bad news for you, Sam Ripley. <laughs> I'm afraid. I have to break it to you because okay. Sarah won't do it because she's a coward. But yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm afraid I have terrible news. You have committed a terrible crime. <gasps> Truly heinous crime. Oh, so God. heinous and terrible, in fact, that it warrants the death penalty. <laughs> What, first of all, my favorite question to ask is what crime have you committed? Because we've had some cracking answers to this one. People really show them, reveal themselves in this question. So I think it would be eco terrorism. I think. I think I would. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. We haven't yeah. had that yet. No, okay. first. Oh, great. Well, there we go. I like to uh, buck the trend. Yeah, I think. But what did you do then? Oh, well, I would I would suggest that um, I've hijacked a satellite and um, I've um, maybe hijacked multiple satellites because in my criminal enterprise, I have elite hackers working tirelessly, infecting uh, global systems and infrastructure. So I take over the satellites, all the satellites, and I bring them crashing to Earth at the same time in multiple locations around the world. To make some kind of point about the uh, the environment, yeah, nice. Yeah, huh. well, actually, now now wow. you now I'm thinking about it. No, I think what I'll do is that's that's the that's the background, but the actual crime is. But then I kind of try and extort uh, the world for huge amounts of money. So I set up this process under the guise of eco terrorism, but actually I'm just a mercenary. So I'm a bit like Hans Gruber <laughs> in Die Hard who professes to be a freedom fighter or whatever, but actually he's a bank robber. So I am an eco-terrorist, but actually I'm on the phone to the various presidents and heads of state asking for uh, cash. Okay, so you said Hans Gruber. I was going to say Dr. Dr. Evil. I think I'd ask for a lot more than $1 million. I, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> yeah. No, Hans Gruber's cool. This is what's happened. So I've set it up like this. And I'm saying this to the to the various presidents of the world, and then they make that joke mm. about Doctor Evil. So I'm like, right, that's it. And I push the <laughs> and I push the button, and I bring them down. They uh, all crash. Yeah, all the satellites crash at the same time. Uh, but by this point, I've done it over Zoom, and they can see my face. Um, and yeah. you didn't change your name at the bottom. Yeah, I didn't change my name at the bottom. I've busted. So uh, whilst it was an elaborate plan that took multiple years and huge amounts of skill and resources, I failed just because I didn't change my name on my Zoom profile because that's kind of, um, yeah, the kind of silly mistake I would do. And then I would then be cursing myself throughout the trial and the uh, <laughs> lengthy prison sentence afterwards. Well, not that lengthy. Yeah, I was going to say, don't you, worry, so... you don't have to live oh, with it that okay. long. Because... Uh, reassuring. Yeah. The, the the satellites obviously crashed and killed a lot of people in the process. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, it's been okay raised up quite urgently that you should be put to death. Unfortunately, oh. um, the jury has found you guilty and you've been sentenced to death. So, okay. I would say sorry about that, but you've actually, I've actually, 
quite bad what you've done. <laughs> no, <laughs> I personally don't think it's worth the death penalty, but it was it for the environment. Bad. It was for the environment. The environment. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. well, I'm sorry to say that you have now died. You have mm. been sentenced to death. That's happened. Quick and painless. We can do that. No problem. But good yeah. news, Sam Ripley. It's not all doom and gloom. Oh, because fantastic. We, we can get you before you're set, before you die, the death row meal of your dreams. So what would you like? Oh, well, that changes everything. And now it's all worth it, you see. Because, um... <laughs> yeah, you couldn't just have that meal in real life. No, no. Kill people. Um, I mean, no. I, maybe I, I could <laughs> ask for like a billion dollars worth of worth of food as some kind of a petty revenge nice but I, th- I think that if this if this is me and i've embarked upon this crazy uh dr evil level um uh plot i think i would just because i tend to um i don't tend to eat much junk food i tend to kind of only eat like Very once healthy. or twice a day so i think having the freedom not to count the calories i would just like binge on crisps and ice cream and pizza nothing elaborate just the kind of things that normally i would think oh where's the nutritional value i'll, I'll have i'll have something else instead so yeah so you basically yeah. want a children's birthday party buffet oh my god that's it yeah that's what i want that. i want jelly and ice cream and uh, little um, um serving bowls of crisps of different flavors yes. um, party rings everything. yeah yeah uh what else uh, like monster munch yeah things like monster <laughs> munch yeah and um nice. the um the iced slushy things that uh, paint your tongue in a different color. Yeah, some of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, like a kind of whipped cream, all those absolutely <laughs> poisonous things that are classed as food <laughs> that I would never touch normally. Yeah, all that. Wow. Well, now I've been shamed about my dinner, but okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that can of whipped cream so I was going to finish. Monster munch and whipped cream. <laughs> classic combo. It is oh, a can classic I also combo. just go back for a second? You only eat one meal a day sometimes. Yeah, mostly, yeah. Mostly. How do you fill your time working? What do you look forward to? Yeah, how do you get through every day? (laughs) Really easy. It's really easy. Yeah. I think it takes like between three and five days for your um, hunger hormone ghrelin to adjust to a different way of eating. Um, We only get hungry because our bodies expect to be fed. It's not because necessarily we need that fuel. It's not because we're crying out for a bowl of cereal internally. It's because we get up and eat breakfast. Then when we get up the next day, we will feel hungry at that time because that's what the body is expecting. So as soon as you change that, then it becomes quite easy. You know, uh, Romans, I believe, ate once a day. They had um, like a lunch, what they called dinner. And that was that. So historically, so yeah, but historically, they died. <laughs> well, they had you know the uh, <laughs> a pretty big empire. I think I'm gonna yeah. yeah yeah fair okay give them that yeah roads yeah roads yeah well, obviously Latin has been an important language. I mean uh, let's not mm. knock the Romans. Romans did a lot. Okay okay <laughs> on one right. meal a day. Yeah exactly <laughs> impressive yeah. stuff. Wow okay well. I'm glad we got to give you a children's birthday party buffet before killing you at the very least. Yeah, do you know what? I'm actually quite looking forward to um, my impending (laughs) demise, which I rightfully deserve after crashing satellites into uh, major cities around the world. But I get jelly and ice cream guilt-free afterwards. So I think that's a reasonable trade. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. Okay. I'd agree. Well, 
In further good news, though, not only are you (laughs) getting the kids' party buffet of your dreams, you can also be buried with any book that you choose. What book are you taking with you? Okay, right. This is this is easy because it's all about in a few hundred years when they dig up my corpse to put another uh, block of flats on the land or whatever else. I want them to think better of me. So I'd have like a book like uh, Crime and Punishment or War and Peace. And then yeah. future generations can think, oh, he wasn't, he can't be that bad if he if he read. So oh, He was just really pretentious. Really, but yeah, pret- <laughs> yeah, it's not so much a terrorist, just pretentious. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Also, they're, they're big books, so well, they'll yeah. keep you going for a while in the afterlife. Oh, hold on a second. If it's the book we take to the afterlife, then that's going to be different because I don't don't want to be be stuck with 900 pages of War and Peace in Purgatory. (laughs) All right, well, we'll let you... You can have a coffin book and you can have an afterlife book. Okay. Um, Being generous today. Although that's putting you really on the spot now, isn't it? That is putting me on the spot. Okay, so (laughs) what I would say is... Oh, okay, we'll split them up then. So we'll have War and Peace in the coffin with me and then crime and punishment so i can think about what i've done in the afterlife oh <gasps> how noble of you yeah really really yeah. taking your punishment seriously yeah i want like a, like a redemptive villain arc to my story you know um eco-terrorist mm. slash dr evil and then uh, <laughs> redeemed in the afterlife and future generations can um make a like a film about me and some um, wow great actor will win an Oscar portraying me in all my different facets and fables. So. Wow. Mm. It would at least make for one hell of a Wikipedia page at the oh, very yeah. least. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the legacy. So imagine that closing, <laughs> imagine that closing scene of the film of you in your cell surrounded by your kid's party buffet, <laughs> fade to black. With a little hat on. <laughs> little <party> hat. <laughs> Amazing. One of those little like things that you blow. I don't know what they're called. Little things. What are they called? Yeah. I don't know. Um, who would play you in this film so I can really get the visual? Okay, well, I was thinking it would happen far into the future. Oh, okay. Okay, mm. so we don't know then. But... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Whoever is uh I don't know, like the uh whacking phoenix of that century kind of thing, I think. Mm. Yeah, needs to have that range. Yeah, to I was cover. I, yeah, to cover to cover yeah. the um, the complexities of the eco terrorist Doctor Evil character. I think that's quite um, a big role. Yeah, especially when he did end his life with a children's birthday party buffet. I think a lot that would you know when you read a detail about someone and you think that you think someone's a monster and then you see like a, quite a sweet glimpse into their life, you're like oh. They were just humans after all. Like, that's the... Yeah, yeah that's the I'm final humanized. thought. That's the yeah. final th- uh, thought in the film. So um, people can leave mm. thinking well of me and um, yeah. yeah, not remembering the um, satellites and the burning cities <laughs> and to think of the ice cream. Mm. Yeah. Like a rosebud moment, <laughs> isn't it? The, the ice cream. Jelly really ice cream. <laughs> I look forward to this. This sounds good. This is great. I mean, I can't wait to see all of this unfold. Very much exciting. Or feel free to write a book about it. The story's yours. Exactly, yeah. There we go. Everyone listening to this, this book is copywritten by Sam Ripley now. You can't have it. We've just laid it all out for you, but it's not for you. Yeah, it's (laughs) at least a screenplay. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
could I could I write my own screenplay biography after I'm after I'm gone? I mean, that would be oh, I write oh, there we Maybe. go. I write it beforehand, and then that's also in the coffin with me. So when they dig me up, it's all laid out. <gasps> Look at this. That's oh a, that's God. a legacy. Love it. Yeah, How that awful. is. You've re- you've written it for them. They just get to copy your homework. Perfect. Amazing. Wow. Well, Sam Ripley, this has been an absolute delight. Oh, Thank you're you so very much kind. for your Thank time. You. It's been a pleasure to be here. Uh, Sam Ripley, where can people find you online to follow you? Not at your, not in real life. Follow you. Oh well, yeah, don't do that, online please. Stuff. Um, um <laughs> it's all Sam Ripley books. So uh, the usual places: Instagram, um, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, Sam Ripley books. Very nice. And when is it? It's out on the 22nd, 22nd of June. So just under a month at point of recording. Yeah, 22nd of June in Harbach and ebook with the paperback will follow at some point in the future. Wonderful. Yeah, everyone go and buy it as soon as it's out. Frankie and I both loved it. Very much. Oh, they're very kind. Sarah, where can people follow us online? Uh, you can follow us on all the social medias at Red and Buried Podcast, or you can email us at Red and Buried Podcast at gmail.com. So impressed. It's only taken about 40 episodes at this point Nailed for it. her to know the name of the podcast and get the contact information correct. So yeah. that's progress. It is, Thank that you. was very well done. Very professional. Very slick. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's how we are here on the Red and Buried Podcast. So. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, We'll be back again soon with another episode. So, bye. (laughs) Bye. Do you like pop culture and top 10 lists? If you do, then step inside the Den of 10. In the Den, we have countless top 10 lists to captivate and titillate even the weariest soul. We've got lists of films. And there's that famous thing about the, the scene where he improvised his way through smashing his hand and cutting his hand open on the glass as he banged his hand on the table. Yeah. I mean, you can't really say boo to that. Music. The rest of the song is like a, just a swirling crescendo of clever songwriting, amazing singing, great drumming, like beautiful guitar effects. Video games. And I think that's exactly what happened with Zelda. It was everything, looking back, is on a much lower resolution to what we see in Breath of the Wild, but... As I was playing it, I just felt like my imagination was just going absolutely wild. TV. You know, this is where a sitcom verges on the cinematic, still in a, in a neat 20 minutes. And the interaction between these vastly different characters is so well realised. And more. Listen to us on all major podcast providers. Find us on Twitter at Den of Ten Pod, where you can like, follow, comment, and vote. Or find us on the We Made This Podcast Network at wemadethisnetwork.com. We hope to see you soon in the Den of Ten.